I also tell people all the time, if you don't like that doctor, get a new doctor. Yeah. If you don't like that speech pathologist, get a new speech pathologist. Yeah. You're not married to these people at all. And if anybody knows their kids, you know your kid. Mm-hmm. And if I would have listened, my son has made great strides. Uh-huh. I mean, great strides because of early intervention. What uh-huh. I know as an educator, even be, not even a mom, as a teacher, some of these kids don't get help until they're in second and third grade. It's already set in stone by then. Mm-hmm. The language issues, the behavior, everything is already there. That's all. not saying it cannot be helped or resources cannot be used towards it. You just have a different hill to climb. The best time to kind of get active and really work at this is when they're little. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair podcast brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing how to find peace with the diagnosis. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing a message from Naked Parent Nation. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. Naked parenting is the process of moving from where you are to where you want to be. Naked parenting understands that the mind is responsible for all of our problems. As you shed the layers of your old programming and beliefs, you will return to the deepest truths of your own being. Do what you've always done and receive the life you're living or create the vision you want for yourself, your family, combine that with an elevated emotion, support from our community, and you can live the life of your dreams and beyond. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment one day at a time. So if this is your first time connecting with us, I hope you feel the love that's here for you. Together, we walk different paths side by side. So let's continue our journey as individuals and parents with a short meditation on the practice of being intentionally happy. So if you wanna sit up straight, allow your eyes to fall closed, lightly lift your gaze to that space between your eyebrows, the spiritual eye, and we're gonna inhale and we're gonna hold it and tense our fists and our muscles And then we're gonna exhale and relax our muscles. And we're gonna do that three times. And when you inhale, imagine the flow going up your spine to the crown of your head and then hold it and then exhale, relax. 
So inhale intense. Exhale, relax. Inhale intense. Exhale, relax. On this next one, hold it as long as it's comfortable. Inhale intense. And then exhale and let it all go. Feel that peace within. We come together as brothers and sisters on a similar quest to better understand ourselves, our divine calling, and how to be the best version of ourselves and parents for our children. We ask for guidance and the ability to accept life on life's terms. May each listener feel an inner sense of peace and calm in our hearts today. May we feel love and spread love. May we maintain a state of intentional happiness. Om, peace, amen. And with your eyes closed and the energy released, the practice of metta or loving kindness, it can help you respond to your own mind with friendliness, that chattering mind. Unfortunately, our thoughts, they don't always do what we want them to do. And the body may have discomfort. This practice helps us clearly see in our daily lives. In loving kindness practices, you're not inviting in something from the outside. You're tuning in to your inside to the heart. I want you to think of your body with a friendly spirit. Listen to it. See if there's a way that you can make yourself just a little bit more comfortable. Begin by recognizing your own desire to be happy. Don't dig into stories about how you become happy or what makes you happy. Just find that natural wish of ease and comfort. Say to yourself, yes, I want to be happy. the intention in mind, begin offering yourself different phrases. And you may do this with the in-breath or on the out-breath, but use phrases like, may I be happy? Or may I be healthy? Or may I be safe? May I be at ease? Pick a phrase that feels right for you. And then with your in-breath and out-breath, dig into each word and each letter as you say it in your mind. 
when the mind wanders, just bring it back to that phrase. Are you having feelings of self-judgment or is there some kind of resistance to this practice? Is that voice in your head complaining? And then go back to that phrase. We need practices like this so that we can be the best version of ourselves and detach from that crazy voice in our head. Just a few minutes can make a huge difference. And when you're comfortable, feel free to open your eyes and come back to our conversation today, to our guest. I'm so excited to have Ashley Crenshaw on the show. She's a mom. She's a parent advocate coach. She's a content creator from Charlotte, North Carolina. She spent the last eight years as an educator, and then she transitioned into the nonprofit sector. Her main goal is to be a community builder for autism moms, letting them know they're not alone. She loves listening to podcasts, working out, and baking. Ashley, welcome to the show, and thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about Ashley and your family and just kind of paint that picture for us a little bit? I am a mom, a wife. Um, I have two littles. So my son and my daughter are about 16 months apart. I wow. remember finding out I was pregnant with my daughter and him, my son sitting on my husband's lap because it was during COVID and his head still kind of, you know, like an infant head, just still kind of like loose. And so a lot of my journey with dealing with my son and what he has going on, she's a part of it because she was there, even when she was an infant. And I don't know if that added extra stress to everything because you have two babies, like they do everything together. So they're my life. Like I do everything for them. Just pouring into them, pouring into myself, I recently, probably within the last year, have made the decision to be more open about what I'm dealing with. And my mind has been blown with the amount of women, dads, everybody who's reached out. It's like, I feel seen with your content. Mm -hmm. And my goal was just to talk about it because I felt like when you get a diagnosis of any term, I mean, of anything, they try to tell, you know, like, keep it to yourself. You don't have to tell anybody. And while I do not disclose everything that happens with my son, his diagnosis does affect me. And so talking about it has been able to be sort of like therapy for me in a sense. And I've just been so grateful that not only me talking about it has helped me, but it's helped many women. Like my inbox looks crazy Because women are like, I looked at your page and I started crying because somebody gets me. Mm. And in this world where we think of everybody being neurotypical, nobody gets you but somebody with a diagnosis. (laughs) And it doesn't always have to be autism. I've talked to moms who children have Down syndrome and everything else in between. We're all in a different type of battle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So is your daughter considered typical? She's considered normal. Uh Um, I watch her heavily 
because for I know for girls that they mask more and they usually don't get a diagnosis until later in life. So around seven and eight is when you really see it. And I've had times where I'm like, ah, but between his developmental pediatrician and her pediatrician, we've all kind of had roundtables and they're like, it's not as prominent. So they don't want to test her just yet. Now, if it gets to a point where all of us agree, then yes, we'll test her. But we all, like everybody in my family, we all have our eye on her (laughs) to see if it's something there. But right now she is normal. But I feel bad in the sense because her being normal and her brother being special, it's kind of the teeter-totter between now she's kind of like a glass door kid where Mm -hmm. it's like, hey, how are you? Where's your brother? How's your brother doing? What's all the amazing things he's doing? Or what is he not doing? So it's it's a gift and a curse, I feel like, sometimes for her. And my prayer is that she doesn't grow up with regret or resentment. I love that you're aware of it. I think there's a lot of parents that the kids are up and grown and they realize that. So I think just being aware of that, she's in a great place. Um, what was the first thing that you saw that that led you to something's off (laughs) um silly enough he kept knocking a lamp down and not just one or two times i mean knocking it down 20 to 40 times a day and just smacking it down putting it back up smacking it down i was like hmm and i think too for me and i tell people all the time i was a teacher so i feel like it's a spidey sense for me to be able to see certain behaviors and like hmm Note that in my head, that's a little different. And so when I explained how I was so early, like he was 18 months when I got his diagnosis. And most people were like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was. <laughs> it, mm. It's one of those when you see something, you say something. And I fault the entire system because not only is he autistic, he's gifted. So their whole thing was, well, he knows his letters and he knows his numbers. But I'm like, if his food is in a certain way, he cries for an hour. And I think now in this community, we don't talk about social emotional enough. Mm -hmm. And we focus so much on the academics where I do believe academics are important. A lot of our kids are lacking in the social emotional department. And that's where his autism is really, really spikes at is his emotional regulation. He had a hard time sharing. He parallel played a lot and he couldn't verbally express, even though he was little, he just could not get out his emotions. So every emotion was big. If he was happy, it was a big happy. Like he won the lottery. If he was sad, he was really sad. Like he was grieving. If he was angry, you would have thought he was fighting. And those small things made me think something is something is not right. And the food aversions, too, because he didn't eat anything. (laughs) Did your doctor not support you? No. Okay. (laughs) No. I I feel like that's a tell in itself. I think being Black, to be honest, we have to fight a little harder for our kids to really be seen in these lights. We get kind of blown past. And I think, too, because he's a Black little boy and he was smart. It was like, oh, well, he's smart. Who cares? And I was like, that has nothing to do with everything else going on around him. He cannot play with others. He's running away. Like, he can't be at daycare. There's something else there. But our concern is the fact that he can count to 100 at one. 
So I had to fight and I did every state test in the state test where it's like, well, well, he's hitting all his milestones. And I would be talking about, well, his social emotional is not where it needs to be. He's not good around people he doesn't know. Like he was very clingy. Um, now I know that the clinginess is for his safety. But just really having to fight, like his pediatrician to this day, when he got the diagnosis, I was actually taking my daughter to go get checked out. And he walked in there and he was like, I don't believe in the diagnosis at all. We had went, yeah, we had went and did, I just I told him, this is my kid. You're going to write my referral. We're going to get it evaluated. So when we got finally got the answer, I was kind of relieved. I was like, OK, we have something to work with. But he came back and I had my daughter and he walked in talking about my son. And I was like, wait, <laughs> we're not even talking about I'm not worried about that. And he was like, I just don't understand. And I think it's a it's a black thing, to be honest. Nobody wants the labels. Everybody's scared of a label. And I was like, but we don't realize that if we don't treat the label. That kid, that person can grow up and not get what they need. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of adults now that I'm meeting that said, I didn't get a diagnosis until I was 27, 32, 45, wow. because my mom didn't want me to have a label. And they talk about the difficulties that they've had in their life from friends to relationships to school because their parent didn't want to advocate or they were scared to advocate or they just didn't want their kid to be labeled different. Can you imagine like the loneliness and the Ooh. just sitting inside nobody Nobody you understands you. Well, one thing for the parents of Naked Parent Nation that are listening, I hope they listened for what you just said, because I can't tell you how many parents come on here and, and the pediatrician says delay. And for me, I had a bunch of kids back to back like you did. And when they said delayed, I was like, oh, good. And I just took right. Ooh, we got a label. Let's go with it. Just delayed. Then all okay, the resources. We're all good. You know, like, and it was delayed, delayed, delayed past miles. And then it's like, wait, this is way too far past. But then years have passed. Mm-hmm. Years have passed. And so I hope that the parents are listening. That you have to speak up. That you're not going to get. Not everybody's going to get somebody that's going to help open doors for you. You have to. I also tell people all the time, if you don't like that doctor, get a new doctor. Yeah. If you don't like that speech pathologist, get a new speech pathologist. You're not married to these people at all. And if anybody knows their kids, you know your kid. Mm -hmm. And if I would have listened, my son has made great strides. Uh I mean, great strides because of early intervention. What I know as an educator, even not even a mom, as a teacher, some of these kids don't get help until they're in second and third grade. It's already set in stone by then. Mm-hmm. The language issues, the behavior, everything is already there. That's all. not saying it cannot be helped or resources cannot be used towards it. You just have a different hill to climb. The best time to kind of get active and really work at this is when they're little. Like my son had a a huge expressive language delay, huge. We did it for a year and we were aggressive about it. Now he overshares how he feels (laughs) because we forced the issue. But now I see him when he's with friends, instead of smacking him upside the head, he'll say, hey, I don't like that. Can we share? Can we play a little better? And that's because 
I started at 18 months and not at four, five, and six. Yeah. If you get into the science and the brain development, it really makes sense why you have to do it in that window because of how stuff molds. How their brains work. Yeah. Can you tell us how your son's autism makes him unique? Oh, so he um, has hyperlexia. So at four, he can tell you all types of multiplication. He can add everything up together. I tell people all the time I'm raising the good doctor. I don't know if you've ever seen the show, but he's good with numbers. He tells people how to build stuff. Like it's crazy in a sense how his brain works and he's so numbers sense and all that it's a lot for me even as i taught math so i'm like wait i get overwhelmed sometimes but it helps him so much academically it's he's soaring we've actually had a kind of tug of war between his doctors because i've I've built the team around me because sometimes i am mom sometimes i'm educator sometimes i'm an advocate but as i'm getting as i've gotten into this process i like to sit back and be mom And that was something that somebody had pointed out to me. Are you going to be mom? Are you going to be his advocate? And so I've seen how we've all talked about him being skipped, but that's because his brain is there. Mm -hmm. But emotionally, he should not be skipped. (laughs) He needs to be right with his peers because we still have moments where he'll parallel play or he won't talk to anybody. Or if he's talking to somebody, he's really close. So really trying to balance his superpowers, because all my friends think it's amazing that he's he's autistic, but he's a genius. Like they call him little genius Mm -hmm. because he can read. And sometimes it's not helpful when he's trying to get snacks out or whatever. But it's amazing how his brain works. Like he's very, I say cut and paste, very black and white, whereas his sister is a more rainbow type child. (laughs) He's very cut and paid. And if you tell him anything, he told me something that I told him a year ago the other day. His memory is like an elephant. Amazing. So it, cool. It works in his favor, that's to be cool. honest. And I think that's for all autistic kids, because even the ones that aren't verbal, they know a lot. <laughs> that's cool. What's a difficult day uh, on the flip side? What's a difficult day look like? How's that manifest? This morning we have in North Carolina, we have Bojangles. Everybody loves Bojangles. He's now in a place where he doesn't like eating things that are odd numbers. So they gave us an odd number of bull rounds. He's sobbing, crying, shaking because he cannot eat it. And I'm like, what is going on? And then I count the bull rounds. So I have to go back around and buy more bull rounds so that it's a number that he feels comfortable with. And I see his anxiety heighten. When numbers don't add up or he doesn't feel good. The other about two, three weeks ago, we tried on 10 different uniform shirts because they did not feel right. Mm. If he has something planned in his head and he's he has to see it through, even if I want I'm watching him, I'm like, it's not going to work. It's going to fail. That idea is not smart. He has to see it through. So that's one of the things that kind of sometimes can be a hindrance because he'll have in his mind how everything's going to work out. And he's a child. He's four. He doesn't control anything in his life. (laughs) And so we still do what we need to do as adults and to watch him crumble because that's not how he saw it. Like if I go home a different way, he's freaking out and his freak outs, because, again, let's remember, these emotions are huge. (laughs) He's 
sobbing. You would think something has seriously happened. He's shaking. Mm. He's like, it's like an hour body experience. So to watch your child mm. have that experience because they didn't get the right amount of bow rounds or Skittles yeah. or the food just didn't feel just right. Yeah. That's yeah, it's intense. It's, um, it's intense. It takes you under sometimes. Like even we have a big issue with sleeping. So insomnia has been our thing and he cannot sleep without him being like, when I say grabbing you like this, he won't sleep. Wow. And he'll freak out. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. It's it, for sure. That's tough. You seem like a very positive person. You know, you seem like a, a mom who knows how to take charge and, and get it done. What did it look like? for you to react to the diagnosis? I mean, how did that hit you? How did that go for you? I think for me, the diagnosis didn't bother me. And I tell people all the time because I was in education. I'm still in education, just a different form. So I knew all the resources, all the things that were in front of me. But on the other end, I could only imagine how a mom could feel if she works in banking or at the grocery store. You don't know what this child's life is going to look like. So for me, and just for me, it was a sigh of relief. I was like, Ooh, thank you, Jesus. But for my husband, it was, whoa, the world just ended. Mm-hmm. And so you have now you have two parents where one parent's up here mm-hmm. and another parent's down here. So one's grieving, not saying I don't grieve, but one's grieving. And one's like, oh, we can do this. We can do this. We have music therapy. One's researching. So... Mm-hmm. I am positive, but the buildup to being positive was not, we've ran through daycares. We've been to four or five daycares before we got put in the actual place. When his behavior was at its worst, they would be calling me every day. Hey, Mm -hmm. he's just not having a good day. He's eloping. Well, they didn't know it was elopement at the time, but he's eloping. One time he ran out of the daycare. He was out in the streets. He was unlocking doors. So the build up to the diagnosis is where my mental capacity was crumbling because I could not put a name on something I knew was wrong. So when I finally got a diagnosis, I was like, oh, thank you. (laughs) I can finally advocate the way I want because daycares and everybody else was like, we can't do anything because I don't have anything formal to offer them. I see. So once I got the diagnosis, it was like a light bulb switched in my head. And I was so relieved and I, my positivity shot up. Also, too, I went to therapy. Yeah. I tell everybody, if your child, if you have children in general, but especially if your children have something extra special about them, you need to be in some form of therapy. Because while you, we might be the, and I'm positive about my son, I still have moments where I'm like, what is his life going to look like if I'm not here? Yeah. What is high, What does school look like? Is he getting bullied? Because we did have a bullying situation and he didn't understand it. Is he going to make friends or his friends going to think he's weird? My mom just told me the other day, her and my dad had a conversation saying they hope he's not the weird kid in the class. Mm. Like those are everybody around that child is emotionally dealing with it. One way or the other. (laughs) How's dad processed gone from, you know, the devastation? How has that worked for him? I think, well, I won't say I think, I know he's gotten better, but it's because of the progress we've seen in our son. And I think when you're, he's in banking, so he's very much like my son. (laughs) 
everything's numbers, everything's cut and paste. And as we all know, with children who have any form of diagnosis, nothing's cut and paste because my kid who has autism might look like this and the next lady's kid might look like this. So nothing's one shoe fits all, but as he's seen the progress and as he's seen him grow, like he's playing soccer now. At wow. one point, we never thought he was going to play soccer. We put him in T-ball and he cried for two days, like on and off as if T-balls just mortified him. So now we're getting on the other end. Maturity is kicked in as well. So he's getting there. But it's still, I think it's hard for dads and their sons to kind of really wrap their mind around, my son is just a little bit different. Yeah, for sure. For the parents that are listening, uh, you know, I want you to know that if you don't make big life mistakes, it still can take a bit of time to get through and grieve. And it can be a lifelong process for the ones who end up in a nasty divorce or who fall into addiction because they weren't able to handle it. I mean, that can make it even And longer. addiction is real. I yeah. actually have talked to several moms who are, I'm drinking heavily. I'm smoking. Mm-hmm. I, me and my husband are arguing. We're fighting. Mm-hmm. And while in the grand scheme of things, people are like, Oh, it's just over their kid. It's like, no, that's emotionally a lot to handle. Yeah. And moms for in the most most cases, not all. A lot of them are single moms that I've met that I've talked to. So they don't even have anybody to kind of balance it out. Or if they do have a spouse, one spouse is over here and the other spouse is over here. So then you're arguing about what what are you going to do for your kid? What's the right step? Do we believe in the same thing? Because you don't really know. I feel like you really don't know your spouse until you have children. That's true. It's true. I started this podcast because I fell into addiction. I had the nasty divorce. I'm uniquely qualified because I've had to go through a lot of these things that people go through. You don't have to go through them, but but it happens. But it happened. And so that's why I started it. My favorite thing is hearing two parents stick together. I mean, what that does is so huge. I love hearing that you and your husband are together. And I love that for your kids. I think it's amazing if you can pull it off. You talked about counseling. What do you do for you? How do you keep your... I work out. (laughs) I work out. So, and people think I'm nuts. I wake up at five every morning and I go to the gym and I, a lot of who I am. So I'm tall. I played basketball all my life. Even in college, I was a scholarship athlete. Yeah. And when I had those kids back to back, So I have a newborn. I'm dealing with a child that has something going on. I don't know just what yet. I'm eating crazy because I'm trying to eat my emotions. My weight had just, it had got out of hand. And then I realized as I'm looking at this body, I'm looking at somebody I don't even know because I've never seen this before. So then I'm I'm depressed because my son's getting kicked out of daycare. My baby's, my newborn baby's crying. I was also in grad school at the time getting two masters because I'm just crazy. And- I realized a lot of my frustration was never getting out. So even when I went to therapy and it was nice and I still go, I needed another form of like a physical outlet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if you want to feel better, you have to make the sacrifice. And now my body just wakes up at five and I just go to the gym. But going to the gym has helped me so much, like just really clear my mind. 
I didn't know how much I needed that isolation time. And once your day gets started, you know, with kids, once your day gets started, there's no more silence. There's no more just you time. I don't get you time when I shower, when I use the bathroom, when I'm cooking, when I'm in the car. It's no longer just me time. So I sacrifice some of my sleep. So that means I also need to be proactive about making sure my kids are in bed on time so that I go to bed on time or I put them to bed at 7.30 and I stay up from 7.30 to 8.30 and I flick on Instagram or I watch a show to kind of decompress. But I also make sure I go to bed on time so I can wake up in the morning and go to the gym for at least an hour. And that has helped my mental health a lot because just throwing around some weights or running, I've found myself running sometimes and crying just because I'm dealing with it all and I want to smile because I don't want my son to know that his diagnosis is a burden because it's really not. But I, mommy has to process what we're dealing with. Mommy has to process these IEPs, these 504s, the thought of medication. What does your life look like when you get older? All those things are things that parents have to process. And if you're not processing it, it's still sitting inside of you. That's when you get people getting outlets of smoking and drinking. Or I had one mom said that she's just been having sex crazy. So, like, it's Whatever. different outlets. So you have to find one that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I love that you brought a, that's such an important message, the working out. I, I wouldn't be able to make it without working out. And speaking of basketball, that's my life. And the first time in 47 years, I tore my ACL and my root meniscus playing and that put me in a wheelchair for two months. And that was so hard up here. It showed me how important that fitness exercise is for me. And I love the game of basketball. How do we create a better world for our kids, for these kids that have different needs? What we have need to talk to about it more. I think, and I think now is really the curve where we're seeing parents start to really advocate and share. I had one post in particular talking about getting a handicap sticker. And some people were like, well, why do you need a handicap sticker? Your son can walk. Have you ever had an autistic kid just jump out the car and run? Mm -hmm. You don't know my story. (laughs) So with me sharing that information alone, I had so many moms like, I need a handicap sticker. How do I get one? My son's doing this. I don't want to take him to the store. Because then you get to the point, too, where parents don't take their kids out because the world's not accessible for our kids. They're scared to take them to restaurants. I just talk about it. I'm very open and honest. And I believe that me being open and honest with it has helped other women really heal. Like I believe transparency heals. And I don't think we're transparent enough about what we're dealing with. And it's not that we believe our kids are a burden. It's not that we believe we hate that we have our kids. It's just that we are dealing with something different. And if I can share it with you or the next mom and they feel like, okay, a sigh of relief, that's totally fine with me. We have to really go to these restaurants and say that that's not going to work for me. You need to have a silent night or like movie theaters. They started doing the um, sensory movies start including us and our kids in what you're doing so that we can get them out because it's also not good for us to keep our kids at home. I don't keep my kid at home at all. If he's crying and screaming in the middle of the store, so what? Who's going to say something to me? And if you, if you're bold enough to say something to me, (laughs) please, please be ready for me to say something back. I've just built a strong community around me. My parents, they were kind of like in the beginning, 
But now even we were at a restaurant and my son was crying because the music was loud. My dad went to go advocate. Hey, can you turn that down? Oh, I love that. But you have to have your family and your friends really circle around your kids. Like my my friends don't play about my kids. If they feel like somebody's teasing or they're not taking, they will, st- I don't, sometimes I don't even see it. They'll go and take care of it. So I don't have to. And they'll, they'll call me and say, how are you feeling? They'll check on me or they'll look into other resources. Hey, have you tried this? I think this is a good idea, but we have to start really talking about it and release the shame. Because a lot of times when you get diagnosis, parents look at themselves and say, what did I do to cause this? You didn't do anything. Life happened. Right. Think about it in the point of maybe you were gifted that child because God knew that you could handle it, knew that you would be the one. Like I tell people, I have a big mouth. I've always been loud. He knew that my son needed somebody like me to be out in the world. I love that you're an advocacy coach. I can feel people being drawn to to you to support them. I I think you're an amazing support for whoever you work with. So that's awesome. We do like a lightning round where you kind of just to get more of your thoughts and opinions where you give kind of one word to one sentence answers to a few questions. You up for it? Yes, let's go. All right. What's the best advice you have received? It's okay not to be okay. What kind of course or retreat or training would you like to see for parents? How to not be scared. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Instagram. It's a ton of moms or a ton of families in general that are putting things out there. A lot of the stuff that I've found that I've been doing, I found on Instagram. (laughs) What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Oh, a vacation. (laughs) All right. Uh, What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Free daycare. (laughs) Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your child or your family that you just love and couldn't live without? So there's actually a girl, her name is, I don't remember her name, but she has sensational clothing and the clothes are made for children who have autism. They're weighted jackets and jeans and pants. And my son loves wearing his jacket. Cool. I love that. Are you an advocacy coach uh, professionally full-time? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. So right now I work for a nonprofit, but my goal is I'll actually be, if people live in North Carolina, I'll actually be at the EC conference in Greensboro. I am, my goal is within the next year to start doing it outside of my, outside of my job because I'm getting, I'm getting people sending me IEPs and just saying help. And I've, been trying to help, but I need to kind of organize it a little more because the the need is there and trying to explain it. And while I did love being a teacher, I don't believe the school systems are really serving our kids (laughs) any justice. Like, I don't think they have the resources, the money, the people, the bodies, all the things. So just being there so parents can go in those meetings and just be a parent because I can understand being in those meetings, trying to advocate, but you're feeling all the emotions of them telling your kid can't do, your kid can't do, your kid doesn't do. That's a lot to kind of process. And then you want me to make a decision and sign a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. Fail, 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 fail. Okay. I got, I got there. There are problem in class and it's like, wait, or they're talking to you. I've seen how in some IEP meetings, some parents get talked to some type of way. 
And then I've seen where it's been like some parents get talked to with a pat on the back and a hug as well. And to see the vast difference between the two is disgusting. Yeah. All right. Well, you have to, I'm looking forward to you putting up your sign because you're going to be amazing support for a lot of people. Um, So I'm excited for that to happen. You're producing content now. Is there a place where people can find you, see what you're up to, see some of your content? Where do they Um, go? On Instagram right now, it's just O underscore Ashley. And I am in the process of starting a podcast. People ask me a lot of questions. They want to know what I'm talking about, who I'm talking to, all the things. So it's coming. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know when it's out. We'll um, maybe have you back on the show, but definitely get it out there to our audience where you're at and where to find you. If you could send me... um, a link just so we can put it in the show notes to your uh, Instagram page. So people can find you that way. That'd be awesome. And then just kind of in closing, what do you say to that parent that just got the diagnosis and they just say, I didn't sign up for this. I don't have what it takes. I, I don't, I can't do this. Sit on that diagnosis for about a month. Just sit on it. I think sometimes you get the diagnosis and you believe you're supposed to act you have to be in the right mental place to make actions happen. Sit on it. It's not your fault. And if anything, sign up for therapy and forgive yourself. <laughs> it's so many things that you could say because parents get the diagnosis and it's an initial, what did I do? You didn't do anything. You didn't sign up for it, but somebody saw it fit for you to do it. Well, your kids are lucky to have a mom like you. I'm grateful that we had Got to have you on the show. I would love to stay connected and yes, yes, yes. Share this journey together and hear about your podcast. Stay connected as we do this together. Okay. Yes, I would love to. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us, and I wish you all the wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much. You too. All right. Bye, Ashley. Bye. <laughs> This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, And the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. So long.